It's like National Ice Cream Day. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to eat some ice cream today. (laughs) What do you mean there's only one day? Come on. I know, I know. (laughs) Wait, you guys don't eat ice cream every day? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name's Zach, and this week, I'm joined by the regular crew. I'm joined by everybody. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Hello. Hi, Hi, everybody. Hello. We've got Mark, Logan, and Zoe for everyone. Hi. Hello. Uh, Today's another regular Sunday where we record our episodes. And uh, and today we're playing some more Seventh Sea. Applause, everyone. This is our favorite game. You don't know. Just join. It's fun. You'll enjoy. Just join in. Come on, sit down. There's a seat over there. You don't know. Now you know. And Logan is running us through this adventure still, I think. It wasn't my turn this time. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't miss the email or anything. No. Well, you're, you're still running good. Logan, right? I'm still causing chaos. Well, we meant to tell you. <laughs> Logan, do you want to do us a little recap and, uh, and get us going here? Sure. Totally remember <laughs> what happened a while ago. Uh, line? <laughs> Um, I can't read the cue cards. The font is like eight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, no, uh, I do remember some. So this is going to be a group retelling because I'm sure I'm going to miss some very important details. Mm. But we were recovering from fires. Fires that took out uh, the Theonos Cleos, um, as well as the mansion slash manor of the King of Tyrion on the hill there. We also got to meet back up with Briggs and... He he shared some of his uh, newfound ATC wealth with the crew. We now have wealth for the ship, but the ship itself is going to be needing to be refit uh, from all the damage of the fire. Probably about a month's worth of work or more. Aside from that, we did investigations about the fire, about the second fire, the, the big pillar of flame from the skies that got called down that Raza was saved from by Epos and Hoisted off down to the ship. More than that, it wasn't just Epos saving Raza. It was Electo jumping in there heroically and uh, diving into the fires to face off against the villain who caused the fires to come down. And we, on the investigation, do find a basically untouched, unburnt, alive Electo curled up in a ball. There she is, is some... not okay. She is not okay. There is, there is a whole lot of not okayness. There's some some chit chat and some like time to just kind of, you know, learn some more about our characters. And I think we left off in the end with uh, a dramatic moment where Electo <laughs> had driven uh, or ridden off to um, back to her shooting orchard to try and rest for the evening. And everybody else is heading off to their different quarters or what's left of them from the fire. And in the captain's quarters, we find in the middle of the bed a king cobra rising its head and hissing. 
directly at the captain. Yeah. I fucking yeah, forgot the... about the snake. Oh, I didn't, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, walk into the room, there he is. Oh, boy. Or she. Or she, you're right. You're right. That's fair. <laughs> Don't misgender the snake. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's a fantasy game. It it could be a fey being. We don't know. Darn right. We Darn really right. actually okay. don't know. That is 100% true. Good point. <laughs> could be. Okay. So, they, they the snake, looking at me. Of course, eyes go wide. I am going to just kind of do that kind of very slow kind of sway. Start humming. Just kind of humming softly, do you know some lullaby hmm. theme that I grew up with or whatever I can, trying you know trying not to move much beyond that, you know, and and just try to do that. I will spend a hero point if this is necessary, but I want to say that my bed is one of those uh, hanging platforms that's yeah. kind of pulled up at night. Sure. And currently it's it's down probably on the desk. So in my movement and and swaying, as soon as possible, I want to grab the two chains closest to me, pull it up to kind of flip the, the bed back and hopefully launch the snake out the window. Okay. I'm going to say that the window isn't open because you didn't establish that fact. So as you dive forward... Uh, you grab on the chains and you realize the snake's head did not rotate towards you. You yank and with a bit of a yeet, the snake smashes through uh, the window with glass and wood bits splintering out and back uh, inside the room and out on the water and you hear a loud sploosh. Damn, that's a thick ass snake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Almost um, like a rock hitting the water. Okay, add that to the repairs. <laughs> but yeah, kind of, kind of gently lower the, the lower the bed to, and take a look to make sure it made it out. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, it's gone. Uh, I will lower that again. You hear some heavy footsteps coming down the stairs and rushing towards your door. Come, are you all right? Come. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Open the door, and obviously that is uh, the gold. Yep, with a, a thick blank pin in one hand and a, a dirk in the other. Um, just, you know, looking like he's ready for a fight. You hear a couple of people pounding down. We heard smashing glass, sir! Yeah, yeah. Have you recruited any new crew lately? No, sir! Huh. Anyone strange been on board? Not that I recall. Okay. Who do we have on board who knows the most about snakes? Snakes, sir. That's a random question. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it is. I agree. Anybody? An expert? Uh, I don't know, sir. I'll ask around. Okay. I appreciate that. And uh, I might sleep on deck tonight. <laughs> he kind of looks at you. <laughs> All right, sir. As you wish. Are you taking uh, the watch then, or are you just sleeping? Uh, yeah, I'll take a watch. That's a good idea. Great. And he nods and takes a step back, like he's making sure it's cool to be dismissed, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and turns away. I guess I'll go uh, hang out on the on the quarter deck for the night. 
Sure. I just I just want to say I adore Dugald. <laughs> yes. He's yeah, I'm surprised you had to ask. Who doesn't know that sweet, sultry voice? <laughs> I am the voice of romance. You are. <laughs> I do go. Dead sexy. Oh, wait, now it's getting a fast bastard, I guess. Huh? <laughs> wow. With that, you take some time up on deck. Your, your nerves start to, to settle a bit. Do you have any questions for me about that situation or anything you'd like to, to do at this time? Not at this time. You know, I mean, we're kind of settled down for the night. Most of the crew are probably resting. I'm I'm just going to stew on it for a little bit. Obviously, we're going to it's going to require some investigation. Sure. But yeah, I think I'm just going to kind of kind of rest on it. And, you know, it's been a stressful day for everybody. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, it's been a long, you know, 24 hours and then some. Definitely. I should say so, 48 hours from the from the start of yeah. the, the fights and the fires and all that jazz. Yeah. So let everybody get some rest and sleep and go that route. All right. Briggs, what are you up to, sir? Probably after he helps the crew get done with any, like, last minute, you know, emergency repairs or anything like that. He'll probably just go back to his quarters and do some resting himself. Uh, he had a bit of adventure. Sure. Also. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what that adventure was, go and uh, go and check out those those two Briggs episodes. This episode of the Tabletop Radio Hour is sponsored by the Tabletop Radio Hour. Go listen to the <laughs> Tabletop Radio Hour. How many more times can I say the name Tabletop Radio Hour? <laughs> cool. All right, so you get yourself uh, bedded down and and everything seems good. You do notice that the captain's still on deck late into the evening. Uh, seems to be, I, I would imagine, nervously pacing about slash working on this and that and checking, you know, lines and... Fussing on his ship, as it were. I I would love to imagine that every once in a while there's like a barrel or something, and like he just sheepishly kind of like sneaks over and then like lifts the barrel really quick and then puts it down. Like, ah, it's fine. Just uh, mice, I guess. Yep, yep, yep. Captain's <laughs> always doing something. Nice. Okay. As you all drift off at your various places and whatnot. We panned across the city uh, and out to an orchard where we see Electo. Oh, boy. <laughs> her, her quiver is currently empty. Her bow is in her hand, and she seems to be pacing in a circle. And then we jump back to the ship as hours later, we see the captain jump up, waking up from some sort of dream or something like that. And we see just little glimpses and, and snaps of how... The crew doesn't sleep well. We see Raz at one point in time rolling around in, in his bed as we see just the edges of a dream where fire is consuming and enveloping him. And he jumps up, just kind of shakes it off a little bit. But there is this general feeling of disquiet and unease between everybody and the crew. When we go to Briggs's room, Briggs looks like he's sleeping. <laughs> oh, no. What's Briggs doing? Why is Briggs... Not asleep. Who are you remembering? Or what are God, you seeing? That's a, such a loaded question. I'm stealing that. <laughs> Briggs is currently, I don't think he'd be pacing, but he'd be either laying or sitting in bed. Probably has, has attempted to sleep several times by this point. Every time you close your eyes, you hear a certain rumbling that you would think of as a voice but others might think of as the sea 
he just pictures that sloshing of the water on the decks yep. from the other day. Uh, and the conversation that he had. Part of him isn't used to uh, showing someone that much of himself. The conversation with the one he saved. And I guess kind of the one-sided conversation that was had with him uh, during that whole endeavor. Mm. He feels that internal tug of war, that constant pull back and forth on what he seems is his humanity. Okay. That makes sense. Every time you close your eyes, a different snap of that comes through. And finally, you do wake up in the morning, realizing that you did somehow get some sleep last night. <sighs> Thank God. You don't know when or or how that passed, but thankfully you didn't dream. You just have all of these moments of that waking dream feeling that every time you closed your eyes, you're going to get pulled into something horrible. Once, once you get going, once the captain gets going, you guys feel rested once you can get moving, but it's that grogginess until you wake up of like, I didn't get any sleep. There's no way I'm not rested at all. And you wake up and you see the sun off of the waters. There's a, a cool breeze blowing in and just a, a little ripple on the waves themselves. It feels like a peaceful morning. And if it weren't for the wreckage around you of the ship, the burn marks and the missing canvas and hemp, you would almost forget what had happened. It's just been such a, like, a fever dream as far as like how busy and how active the past couple of days have been. People get moving, and, and the ship's you know getting itself in order, and Dugal's already shouting, so if you weren't awake yet, you are awake now. <laughs> There's already tasks and duties going on. People are getting food made. The kitchen kind of got jacked up a little bit, but on the pier itself, the cook has her, her little you know, build area set up and she's already making, you know, breakfast of some form. I'm not exactly sure what a good Newman breakfast would be, but I'm imagining something with baked flatbreads and uh, we'll say eggs. I don't know. Sounds good. Sure. Um, but Ephemia is your cook <clears throat> and she's out there doing the thing. And about an hour after you wake or so, Dugal does come forward, after, basically after uh, all the work crews are, are pulled together. And he brings three people in front of you, Captain. He brings Masa, who is the... Master of the Tops, she's from Persis. He brings Cyrene, who's your purser and main financier. She is from Kemet. And then he brings Henrik, hmm. the Sarmatian surgeon of the ship. Ah. Captain, these three are probably the ones who know most about the sticks. Ah, very good. Thank you, Um Please, please. Um, right, I'll stand right here quietly. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. Very good. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Uh, what did the three of you know about uh, some sort of cobra? And I'll, I'll kind of describe it. And you know, I'm not sure you'd, you'd know enough to know. Cobras are not native to Numa. No. No, they're not. Right. Yeah. No. So I, my familiarity is it would be sketchy anyway. So I would just kind of describe it to the best of my ability and and say. Uh, what do you know about a snake like that? Uh, the doctor, uh, Henrik, 
I, uh, I, I believe I've read right. They are um, poisonous. Be careful. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And then Master of the Tops, Masa. She she is kind of always agitated, always moving. You know, very mm-hmm. um, energetic young young person. And she's thinks about it, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I w- I wouldn't get bit by it. That's a bad idea." And she just kind of shakes her head. And I, I, outside of that, I, I've never really seen one. I don't. I not much help. Sorry, sorry. Uh. When your eyes pan over to Cyrene, she looks like she's lost in thought for a second, and she asks, "This cobra was it coiled three coils of its body and head up?" Eyes forward. Do you do you remember what color it was? Yes, I will describe the color, uh, the markings to whatever there were. Yeah, describe it the best I can. And then you said you heard it hiss. Can't remember. Did I? Did I hear it? Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I was a little stunned, but yes, yes, I did. Interesting. What? Oh, I, I mean, until asked. until that, until you described the colors, I I. This used to be a warning that was left behind to someone to scare them off. And it was usually a, a cast bronze or, or sometimes gold statue. Very lifelike. Sometimes painted, but... Huh. Maybe it wasn't that. Who would leave such a thing? Uh, well, I'm, I am from Kemet. And um, let's just say those in power like to flex that power. Huh. I see. Hmm. Who is currently in charge of in Kemet? For the, the history side of things, Kemet is totally not Egypt, and it has an interesting caste system that's still in place, um, very much like that more ancient Egypt was brought into this, you know, not Earth history time period. They have their own sort of sorceries, and they are, there is still like a, a difference in slave versus not slave, and then within the not slave, you know, caste system, you know, priests, warriors, ruling, that sort of stuff. Um, so is there a pharaoh? I don't remember if they're still using pharaohs or if they've changed that. And just a reminder that uh, Numa is actually quite close to Kemet, correct? Yes. Kemet is pretty freaking close. Yeah. They do have a, a ruling class. I don't think there's an actual pharaoh in charge right now. Okay. Okay. The main separation is there's, you know, the different castes of the Inez, which are the normal people, and then there's the the ruling nobility. And then mm. anything that's not those two is slave. And they do have yeah. a heavy slave trade. Mm. So who have I pissed off in Kemet? All you know from what she said is that this is often used as some sort of warning from higher-ups, and that it can be, you know, often a statue that's of some precious metal. Oh. Hmm. Did you steal something you weren't supposed to? I didn't. Who who sold something? <laughs> yeah. Camera just slowly pans over to Briggs. Who who stole uh, anything? I don't know. I, I was dead at the time. Uh, <laughs> I was on the ship. You saw me. Right. Um, yeah. Um. Okay, then uh, just have to make sure not to do whatever it is I'm not supposed to do. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for your time. Uh, back to your duties. And, uh, yeah. How much did you say these things were worth? 
Uh, it it depends on what it is made of. Hmm. Yes, yes, obviously, of course. Um, okay, well, thank you. Uh, I mean, it is a solid chunk of whatever. Hmm. Yes. And how would this value be affected, let's say, if it was at the bottom? Uh, can anybody breathe underwater? Anyone? No? Uh, <laughs> nah, nobody's, nobody's gotten those fun uh, tattoos yet. Oh, <laughs> that is at the dock, though, so it wouldn't be too deep of a dive. No, true. Shouldn't. Yeah, I, I will let them go, and I will just... Uh, they all nod and head off to their duties. Continue to... Uh, Try to think of who I know and who I might have pissed off in Kmet. Uh, That's fair. I would like to pan over to Electo, actually, yes. Hi. How you doing? Not great. No, not so great. So, not great at all. So. <laughs> very, very recently traumatized. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. When when last we left Electo, she was acting totally fine, walking around in a circle on repeat with Epos just yeah staring at her yeah little um, little concerned uh-huh um that's still the case it's uh it's been 7 hours and she has not really stopped um mm. To the point where there is a, a literal path in the grass. Okay. Because uh, she has pretty much stomped it down. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah uh, every once in a while she'll stop and stare off into the distance and then shake her head uh, a little bit as like, a, you know, shooing away some kind of bad thought or memory and then continue pacing. With that, we're going to have the camera kind of zoom in following Electo, and as she makes a turn around this this circle, I'm thinking that there's a, a phasing of the camera where we're seeing what Electo is seeing, and we're seeing Electo walking with a horse, not Epos, reins in hand, stepping away from a city, and since we're following from behind her, we can feel like the, the building's kind of receding and the sound of the city receding behind. And we can see out in front, there is just a, a desert. Mm-hmm. Huge, vast, rolling, sandy, regular, you know, golden sand color. And Electo is walking with a bit of a, a step and an excitement in her step. Yeah. Like bit getting ready for something. A little bit of pep. Going out to adventure for the first time. Mm, mm-hmm. What do we see? Is she? Is the clothing different than what we're used to seeing with Electo, being all wrapped up and uh, and in dark clothes? Yes, yes. In fact, the clothing is much different. It's a lot of loose cottons and linens, kind of like a, a wrap style. There's a wrap top, and wearing these really comfy looking billowing pants they're called sufi pants Mm. um where they're tight at the waist the legs are really wide and they have a slit down the side to allow airflow and then they're tight at the Mm. uh knees Mm -hmm. and these really tall uh boots 
Um, and a, a head wrap. Not a, a turban or, a, or anything like that, but definitely something to cover her head. Sure. Um, as she's heading out. And uh, there's a couple of saddlebags and um, some rations and things like that and she is just heading out and excitedly talking to the horse which is not black at all uh the horse is actually a dark chocolate color um <clears throat> with like these tan tips uh like tips on the hooves and tips on the ears and a little bit on the nose um and uh they seem to be excited heading out into the desert uh, and there's also no scars on yeah. her. Yeah. She's tanned, yes, but there's no there's no uh burn marks anywhere on her. And then we pan back from that to to the pacing electo of current time. Mm-hmm. And we see Epos kind of walking the opposite direction, looking at her, goes over, nibbles on some grass, but like mostly just to fill his time looks back up and is, is it mm, you can tell he's not feeling too calm about this himself yeah his ears his ears are pinned back he's staring and snorting every once in a while he'll tap his hoof to try and get her attention and nothing seems to be working every time she stops he perks up a little bit and then yeah, she starts moving like, again yeah and yeah uh, ah shit okay <laughs> mm-hmm we pan back to the ship, and in the slightly jacked-up little hold that Raza calls uh, his room, we see him lighting up a little a canister fire and uh, taking a, a jug of liquid, pouring it into what, uh, some sort of like metal hourglass shape. He pours it into the top, and you see uh, it's like the top of top half of an hourglass, and he screws that onto another metal bottom piece. And, uh, and the water all kind of seeps down inside, and he puts that on the on the heat, and he lays this little filter metal thing right in the top of it that you can tell as the water heats up, it's going to percolate through, and it's going to make some sort of unique coffee. And, uh, and he seems to be setting that up, and he's, he's setting out, like, um, some carpets and some pillows, and, you know, uh, he stomps off towards where he thinks the kitchen is supposed to be, realizes it's a big freaking hole, stomps up on the, on the deck, and you can see he's getting ready to, like, host someone with coffee. And then we pan over to Briggs, who has been doing what? What you up to, man? You counting your, going, your coins? Playing with gold? Um, yeah, Briggs is probably counting his change. And as far as free time, he probably uses most of his free time to actually work on the ship. Okay. He kind of uses doing things as a the as that coping mechanism or distraction from sure, his yeah. brain. Yeah, if you keep busy, you don't have to think. 100%. Exactly. So he'll probably keep busy more more than relaxing okay. at this time, I think. And so we see uh, you know, working with some crew and going over here and going over there, like replacing stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the main focus today on the ship is making sure that the masts are secure. A lot of that, mm-hmm. Mark, please correct me, stay rigging? Yes. Hey, I did it right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All that stay rigging was okay. Uh, it wasn't hugely damaged. The fire erupted in a weird way around the ship, and you guys were quick to act on it. 
there is some that does need to be replaced, but not so much that you have to worry about like everything toppling over. So your all of your your main masts for this ship are okay. I think you only have three, correct? Wonderful. Or is it I two? believe so. Okay. I couldn't remember if it was it was three or two. I know it wasn't one of those huge ones with like five or whatever. So yeah, so that's the main thing is making sure those are secure before you can you know put up a new canvas and and other line to make it all work. Actually, correction, it's only two masts. Two masts. Okay. It's it's a brig, okay. not a brigantine. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. That's right, because you have such a small crew. Outside of, you know, ship work, is there anything you wanted to do about town or do anything in the area? Otherwise, we're just going to kind of have, like, this montage of work happening. In town, not really. Briggs might go and get a drink if he feels a bit overly stressed. Sure, okay. So he might he might wander into town, back to the tavern mm. um, at some point in time. But, you know, Briggs, he doesn't talk with many people so it's it's going to be more of a i'm going to get a drink i'm going to drink it mm. and i'm going to come back okay you go to the same tavern you went to before yeah okay when you walk in uh we're gonna say it's the same barkeep that you saw uh when you brought mm. the girl in yes and he says oi aren't you supposed to be coming from upstairs uh no sorry room wasn't for me okay well that's good she left about three hours ago he'll kind of stare off as to think for a moment and then he'll turn back uh, how, how is she looking seem spry enough like she just had something to get to right uh yeah, yeah thanks uh, i'll just i'll just have a drink thank you mm, mm. and he pours you you know drink and all that sort of stuff uh, as you're sitting there at the bar you're enjoying your drink things are chill you almost get down to the bottom and you're looking out a window and you realize that that's the third set of ATC guards. And by set, I mean pair that you've seen pass by this window. One was going the opposite direction. Two are going in the front direction. So let's say one's going south and the other two are going north. But uh, they're walking around in what you know as some sort of patrol function. The last time you saw some ATC was when you took this gold and they were, you know, escorting that gold and, and carrying it. These seem to be more like they're patrolling or searching for something. As soon as that drinks either like real close to being gone or gone, he'll wait for, you know, maybe if they just passed mm -hmm. and he'll make his exit. Okay. Just kind of keeping watch as he moves. And David seems like anybody's following him. He'll, you know, take a couple rights and then take a left, see if they're still following him, you know, so that kind of thing. I like it. All right, so odds, so we're going to flip that as upside down. I am pulling a, a Sorte card, Six of Swords, and since the card decks unfortunately don't do right side up or upside down in roll 20, I roll a dice, and so odd is, is right side up because it's the more common one to roll. So with that, we have the Six of Swords, which could mean a lot of different things, but six for swords, you see uh, a stack of swords in different directions, and then one sword is upside down or handle bottom as opposed to handle top. The simple meaning for Six of Swords is focus perspective. I'm going to say that you're able to almost follow along behind these guys if you wanted to and kind of get a different perspective of what they're looking around at. This could be conflict. Swords can always be some form of conflict. So if you are too bold in what you ask, we're going to look for a risk roll. But I'll let you kind of, you know, follow them a little bit and ask some questions if you want. Okay, okay. 
And this is based on the assumptions that this is not the first time you dealt with the ATC. You are used to sneaking around on people, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. So it's one of those, like, you probably know how to move at least somewhat to, to you know, ghost them and learn right. what's happening. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll follow some. Okay. Being overly cautious. Let's see. Uh, do, do they seem to have a particular area? Well, this tavern, I think, was near the docks, correct? I was assuming that it was. Yeah, within within so, like a ten minute walk. Yeah, it so, seems to yeah. be more towards the docks. Uh, let's say at one point in time, you crest a hill and you can see a couple others that are moving around, and the rest of the town isn't really searched as much. They're more so sticking around the docks. You do see them. Anybody who's wearing a hood with like some sort of cloak or robe, they seem to be trying to to question and be like, "Hey, where are you going? Where were you last night?" That sort of thing, or you know, a couple nights ago. And some answer just fine, and some are like, you know, I don't got to tell you nothing, and kind of walk off. And they let that person go, but you can see that they're, they're like, they watch them for a minute, and they kind of mark the direction that person's going, as if they're like, okay. I don't know, maybe keeping tabs or keeping a record in their head. Mm-hmm. Do I, as I'm following these people and looking at these people, do I see anybody that looks familiar from the other night? Ooh, that's a great question. Ooh, uh, do you want to? I kind of oh, do. Spicy. Okay. <laughs> you, you know, follow in one group and you kind of take off from that one and connect with another group and follow them for a little bit. And then they pass a pair that makes you have to pull into an alley. As you see, one of them has a huge black eye and you recognize the shape of your knee on his face. <laughs> uh-huh. Ooh. Yeah, that was the that was that that was that one. I remember that <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, the, the I flying, remember that the one. Crunchy sound, yes. Yeah, and he looks Ooh, he looks yeah. extra unhappy. His his nose isn't doing well either. No, if I remember. no, it's it's somewhat <laughs> reshaped. I'll just keep an eye. I'll I'll, I'll more listen than look okay. at this point. So if I ducked around the corner, I'm definitely gonna be listening to what they're saying and hearing if they're like coming my way. If they're coming my way, I'm gonna go elsewhere these two groups approaching each other about to pass and the one that you would hit is like oh you see anything yet uh just asking people you should check on this guy he went down and they call out some streets or whatever as if they're like passing off notes of like who to you know poke a second time a minute or two later and and the two groups pass and part and head about their patrol yeah at that point i'll probably get out of there knowing that they're most likely looking for me sure so yeah i'll abandon for now okay but perfect keep in mind that i i know that the ac i was hoping you'd be just there. curious enough because it'd be the next question and i'd be like <laughs> all right let's see how sneaky you are <laughs> mm. i don't feel like pressing my luck this early oh come on <laughs> okay so with that we head back to the ship and what is captain doing Captain is uh, supervising repairs. Probably a lot of paperwork going on, especially with the purser. Okay. Getting supplies. Yeah, yeah. Cyrene is helping out. Yeah. Making sure some of the crew is, is rotated out. Let them go ashore for lunch or get something. Not ship stores. They take advantage of some numinarian cuisine. Okay. Kind of losing himself in work right now and just getting back to focusing on his ship. You're interrupted at one point in time by um, Raza. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on, have have you seen Electo? She was supposed to come uh, this away this morning. We were supposed to have a coffee. No, I I have not seen her. Oh f! I forgot. Oh. 
No, he made coffee and everything. Oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> so sad. Please uh, do forgive. No. Capitan, I have thing to get to. So, yes, yes, I, I will be on on this here in just a minute. I need to make sure I do not burn down more of ship. Oh, that's very good. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And he and he heads back downstairs, and he is super distracted seeming. You get back to doing your work only for a few minutes later to hear the clip-clop of hooves walking up a gangplank. Ah. Yeah. Turn and look. And you look up. Yep. And lo and behold, the, the fifth member of this cast, Epos, hmm. is walking up <laughs> the deck and seems to be unaccompanied and still has a saddle on him. Does he have a saddle? Is he a saddled horse? Or do you go bareback with him? He's bareback. Hmm. Okay. Okay. He might have, like, an improvised gear. There's no, like, saddle saddle. Sure, sure. But it's it's more or less, like, a blanket to protect his back and then, you know, a, a piece of leather or something. Sure. That's still on him. Not taken off. And he just walks up on the deck. Yeah. Seems to be looking around. Actually walking, walking on the boat, on the ship. Oh, yeah. He, mm-hmm. Epos so, doesn't care. <laughs> This horse gives no okay, fucks, yeah, yeah. all right? Zero. Like, <laughs> he is straight out of fucks to give. I will call Mr. Laza. Turn to Epos. And the tradition is to ask permission to come aboard. <sighs> kind of stand stand my ground in front of in front of the horse. A little bit of a test of wills here, but uh, waiting for, uh, for Raza. <laughs> Can I can I uh, bring all of your attention to? Uh, I believe there is a, a beautiful picture in the book of a man and a horse having a stare down. Oh yes, yes, that's and right. That, yes. that is what that is, is happening. Fantastic. That is uh, yes. I believe yes. Epos pins his ears all the way forward and like lowers his head so that his eyes are staring down at uh, at the captain and just snorting every once in a while like. Page page one sixty three for those of you playing yes. along at home. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. that Beautiful. is happening. Uh, and yeah, that is an amusing, lovely piece of art for sure. <laughs> Please check it out. There is this contention, and Epos doesn't move um, until Raza, clip clapping up the stairs, sees this and goes, "Oh shit." <laughs> And clops back downstairs and then comes back up and has a cube of sugar in his hand and shoves it under the horse's muzzle and tries to use that to to get Epos to turn with him back towards the edge of the boat. There's He's all right, Capitan. I feel like there's like the the sugar is there and for a solid like four seconds nothing happens and then ever so slowly the lip comes and like grabs the sugar cube pulls it in real slow and starts to chew it and then eventually ever so slowly just like turns his attention (laughs) I I, I imagine him walking I imagine him walking up the gangplank still kind of looking over his shoulder oh yeah he has a broken eye contact but his lips every once in a while just like his whole head is moved over to Raza like his lips are are, searching for figs or sugar or whatever right not breaking eye contact (laughs) If the horse could lift up his hooves and point to his eyes and then point to you, he would. 
Love it. Yes. Epos, look at me. I am the captain now. <laughs> so, uh, so Raza tries to coax him off to the side. Not well. Does the captain ease up, or is is the captain going to be? I don't know. Asserting. No, he's just going to stay where he was, and you know, if you're if you're going away, that's fine. You'll kind of kind of nod and say, you know, kind of a little motion. Go ahead, bring him back. You know, do what you need to do. Right. Okay. Come here. What? What? What is? What is going on? Please to tell. I think. Why am I talking to a horse? This is insane. Uh, <laughs> all right. I think after after the whole like stare down, it's like all right, all right. You stay on your ship. I'm gonna do my thing. I'm here for a reason. But you're, we're not done here. <laughs> we're, we're not done. <laughs> this, is a, well, this is a tie. You didn't win. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yes. Um. Eventually. After Raza says that, Briggs shows up and goes, "Well, you know, you'll get used to it." Uh, I think Epos actually like nudges, like kind of hard at uh, at Raza's chest and is like mouthing at his hands and and pulling at the the rain that's kind of like draped over his back and every once in a while he's stamping his his front hooves and and his back hooves are pacing and he's just he's doing this strange zigzag thing which um for horse people it's uh I want to go let's go <laughs> Raza we've already established is not horse person and so he's looking around for help with the things, and as he gets yanked around, and he's like, "Great, I will, I will walk with you, I guess." And uh, will Epos let him just walk beside? Yes, Epo begrudgingly, okay. uh, big. He's like, if he could speak, he'd be like, "Oh, all right, fine, just come on, <laughs> come on, let's go." Yeah, all right. So that's that's kind of what what goes on there. And Raza and Epos head away from the ship as Briggs comes on the ship. Are you at all freaked out, Mr. Briggs? Or worried? The, the Epos is no, there? That, and that Raza's going with Epos? No, no, no. Uh, more, so, more so from your own situation is what I was thinking about. Personally? Yeah, the whole... Oh, immensely. Okay. <laughs> so what are you doing? He'll probably find the captain. I'm probably still standing in that spot right at the end of the gangplank. Right. Waiting waiting until, until uh, Epos and, and Raza are out of sight. Before I budge. <laughs> this same look that we see on page 163 is still on the captain's <laughs> face, I'm guessing. Yeah. Pretty, pretty close. And yeah. that's what greets you when you jump on the ship there. Yeah. <laughs> not, not necessarily aimed at you, still kind of, kind of looking towards them, but yeah. I'll kind of look at the captain and then like look off towards <laughs> them. I honestly don't want to know. I've um, had a full day of animals on my ship. How are you, Mr. Briggs? Do you have a Do you have a moment to talk, Cap? Yes, yes. Uh, and he'll kind of like gesture, like down to the stairs. Yeah, he'll kind of like kind of look <laughs> over, and he'll go. He'll kind of look at his quarters for a second, and say, "Yeah, okay," and lead you to his quarters. Yeah, Briggs will like gesture the hand out, like go first, <laughs> sir. <laughs> yeah. As you go down the stairs and you head to your quarters, you open the door to your quarters. It seems normal, just like you. I, I will be double God checking. God fucking damn it! God I will damn be double checking. Damn it, yes. <laughs> you had us in the first half. Not gonna lie. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I am. I'm giving it a walk around. Giving it. Giving it a check. Uh, yes, Mr. Briggs. Everything. But, uh, is everything fine, sir? Uh, appears to be. Yes, I think. Uh, I think so. Let me know if you spot anything out of 
the ordinary, other than the broken window. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. <laughs> not my, not my business. Yeah. <clears throat> not saying we have an issue going on, but I may need to lay low for a day or two. Oh? Okay. Something wrong? Um, nothing. <laughs> nothing's wrong, of course. Um, you know we don't ask questions about how funds are acquired and all that mm. around here. All right, I'll cut to the chase. Mm. Okay. The, the funds recently acquired may have been taken from the... a certain trading company. Ah. And... Let's say they may be here, locally, and they might be looking for a certain individual. Ah, I see. Yeah. So a certain individual may need to lay low for a day or two. I understand that uh, this is certainly a good place as any to lay low, I assume. There is no connection to you and the ship, I I take it? No, I made it fairly clear that I was not followed anywhere I went. Just out of curiosity, the trouble has nothing to do with anyone associated with the country of Kemet, does it? Kim... No, that I, I... I mean, no. no. Sounds like a no. Okay. All right, just, I'm just so. curious. But yes, yes, of course. Uh, you know, whatever you need... Uh, we are obviously uh, limited to uh, our place here at, at the dock, but uh, of course we can. There's there's plenty of there's plenty to do below decks, and I have no doubt uh, we can uh, get a lot accomplished with your help here. I'll do my best. Of course. I'll I'll get with Masa to get, get, get the the. Stay ringing, fixed. Uh, he's always upside down up there, anyways. <laughs> yes. Stay rigging, I believe, is pretty good. We're uh, going to start to focus on the running rigging next. Uh, well, whatever. Uh, Very good. Your discretion is always appreciated. Thank you, Captain. <laughs> yes. At that point, the Briggs will just promptly kind of turn around and exit, kind of as to get back to either what he was doing or okay. uh, the next task that he can do. Okay, and uh, as he leaves, Andreas will once again take a look around his quarters and check for anything out of place or anything. You do see something move on the bed. Okay. And then you look, your head turns slowly, and you realize that it's the wind blowing in that's rustling some of the the blankets. God damn it, Logan! Uh-huh. Uh, I am uh, going to have to get with the carpenter to uh, see about getting that window fixed. Uh, Mr. Abernatu. Spelled word for Mr. Ab- Abernatu. Is that pronounced right? Well, let me see here. All right, Captain, I'll do it. Don't worry. Word for Ab- Mr. Abernatu. <laughs> uh, you're talking about Captain oh, or oh, Luda? her. Her. That's it. Asherite. What are we looking for? Ishtar Benu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carpenter. Ishtar Benu Abenatu. Yeah. Well, you get the carpenter down there, and she gets working. Great. And then I'll I'll get out of her way 
head back up to the desk, uh, the deck. Meanwhile, we pan over to the orchard where Electo was pacing, is pacing, just there by herself now. Epos has not returned. We're going to have one more flashback where we can give uh, something of a view. I'm thinking that we would be going into later in the desert journey, but I'll, I'll let you take it away there. Oh, Zoe. boy. Has, has anything changed in the present time for Electo? Is she still pacing? I think Electo has, has done one of those things where she stopped again, and um, she kind of lifts her head up to the sky. I'm going to go ahead and say that it's a really beautiful day out, and the sun is not hidden by any clouds. It is sure. high yeah. and blazing. And yeah. Yeah. when she lifts her head, we see pain strike across her face as though she has stared into the sun, but she's clearly not. And as the camera is looking up, it pans back down, and we're in that desert except the sands have shifted drastically. Electo's skin on her hands is sandblasted, and in the mound of sand in front of her is a single hoof and the reins of the previous horse. Uh, they are not moving. And uh, we can hear this raspy crying and coughing as though she's eaten sand. Mm. And, uh, and as the camera comes from the first person view to the third person view, we see her kind of fall to her knees and try to, to dig out a little bit. But there's just so much sand. There's no way. And she just lays there for a little bit. And then the camera lifts up to look at the sun again. And it comes back down. And we see the the camera's obscured by the heat waves. Mm. And the sand is no longer golden. It's black. It is like glass obsidian black. And the heat waves normally are super intense. But here, it's, you can see it burning any exposed skin that she has as she's just meandering her way listlessly, you know, step after step into this black desert alone. And every once in a while, she'll look over her shoulder as if waiting for something to come up behind her and then... Sadly, and then she looks continues going. down to her hand, yeah. down to the to the bridle she still holds, oh, yeah. dragging behind her yeah. the edges of this brown leather starting to crisp from the heat God. and a memory. And then she continues to walk as she shakes that off. And when we come back to the present, she is walking that same walk, but in a circle. Captain. Hmm. We see there is a, a cart coming through the area that has a bunch of lumber, and your crew goes over and starts to offload that as the first shipments of some lumber to repair the, the ship itself have been brought to you. 
Uh, there's also a couple coils of line and some smaller bits as well. Smaller line, um, some more, uh, I would say, like fancy wood, so to speak. The nicer stuff for trying to sure. um, fix your your figurehead and uh, some of the nicer parts like handrails and stuff cool. like that. And work is continuing as normal. Except for, you can see, just past this cart, maybe couple hundred meters up the road, there is a much nicer carriage ah. with the insignia of the king of Tyrion, escorted by some cavalry heading down towards the docks area. Ah, I will head to the gangplank. I will actually cross the gangplank and be on the dock um, and watch that carriage. Uh, is it approaching us? As you give it some time, mm -hmm. you realize that, yeah, they're going to pass right by you at the very least. Okay. I'm just going to kind of stand ready and uh, be there if they if they do stop and head this way. Given a couple minutes, your crew's working to load stuff up, and Dugald comes, stands next to you. Is this a fancy to do? Are we supposed to do something here to greet this man? I don't know yet. Was not an announced visit. Mr. Briggs, fancy time. Let's go. Briggs does not. Yeah, I don't think I don't it, think Briggs will come out for that. We, I don't think we need Mr. Briggs for this, Degold. Uh, right, he must be busy again. Yeah, or something. Yes. yes. Okay. The carriage pulls up and does stop directly in front of your boat, and a little shutter opens for a window on the door mm -hmm. and uh, and you see a hand beckon you towards the carriage. I will step over and uh, acknowledge it. Ah, so it, it is your ship, Andreas. It, How is it coming? It is progressing slowly but steadily. I am glad you made it. Yes, yes, thank you. I, uh... I had to come see for myself how bad the damage was. Mm, yes. Nothing that cannot re be repaired, fortunately. And and how quick do you feel like that, that could happen? Uh, probably, uh, probably about a month before we get everything uh, back up and completely ready to go. That is grave news indeed. But I have a good crew, a fine crew, who are uh, working hard and uh, doing the best of their ability, I'm sure. The Theos Cleos well, will be... A... Will be her old self again. I have some some workers that I could send your way to help speed the process. I I would hate to uh, take away from your own needs, Your Highness. But I I I also welcome any opportunities available. Well, it is not completely altruistic. I have a fear that I will need you sooner than later. I am at your disposal, of course. I'm happy to hear that. Solon has sent word that there are ships approaching from the north. From the north? They say there that there are Vodace flags on some, and that they had word from Pastum that they saw Avalonian ships coming from another direction. I see. We don't usually have the mainlanders come this way. Not with good intentions. That, Not with as many ships as they're saying. That is true. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, we, we are at your service. As anything we can do, we will make as much haste to be ready as, as necessary. 
Good, good. I knew I could count on you. Yes. And uh, and I will. I will count on you. Thank you. Thank you. And he taps the roof of his carriage, and they they start pulling away. I'll give a bow as they leave, and uh, go confront uh, DeGault and say, I'm sorry, but we have to push the crew. We uh, need to get the ship ready as soon as possible. Right, you ship shuggers, get your asses moving! <laughs> and he turns around, he's already starting to, like, yell at people and point and... Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and with that, we're gonna, we're gonna fade away as the, the busyness hits and people are scrambling about trying to get more work done. There is an urgency from Dugald. And we see Briggs is kind of nervously looking out windows and just staying in out-of-sight areas. And we see Epos and Raza uh, arriving to see Electo walking around in a circle there. We're, we're going to pan out for now, and we'll come back next episode. Mm. Man. Mm. Wow. You know, sometimes it's, it's those, those sessions where you don't roll any dice that are kind of the worst. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emotionally. Emotionally. Yes. Emotionally. I was, I was hoping to get to uh, some die rolling moments, but like there was a lot of, we have, a, there's a lot of chances for interpersonal stuff that I felt like we needed to. Absolutely. To address. So. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I'm willing to make those sacrifices. Sure. Mm. I have these wonderful Heck, dice yeah. here, but you know, it's, I didn't get to roll them, but that's fine. That's oh, you want to roll more dice? Okay. We'll make sure that oh, you have wait, no, more stop. reasons to roll your <laughs> dice. Don't, that's not what I'm saying. No, stop, please. That's what I heard. I'm My emphasis sure. was on the lovely dice. Damn it, Zach. <laughs> Let's admire those dice. <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> All right, well, that one, you're going to have to tune back in. This is a slower one, but don't worry. The action is coming, friends. Join us next time. Join us next time. Ha! I'm in danger. And that's it for this episode. If you made it to the end, thank you so much for listening. If you like what we do here, go ahead and find us on Facebook and give us a like. It's a great way to get updates on when we post our new episodes. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to send us an email at tabletopradiohour at yahoo.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.